The contents of our show have many references to alcohol and drinking. We want to acknowledge our friends in recovery and let them know we love you and support you. If you or someone you know is a person with substance use disorder, you can call 1-800-662-HELP. Sitters here, taxis not far, meet you at the closest bar. No toddler grass until sunrise, slowly sip that whiskey ride. Gather parents far and near, it's time to hit that bottle of Welcome to Cocktails and Questions with Hannah and Kelty of Upbringing. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hello. Happy to be here. So happy to have you guys back on with us. We are over the moon. Um, we are going to get into some questions that we we had asked earlier, but we didn't really get to them. We didn't have the time. So let's get into them today. Before we do that, I do want Hannah and Kelty to introduce themselves and give our audience just a little bit input of what they do and what they're about. Sure. We're, we like to call ourselves twins, moms, works in progress, or tired ladies, or um, speakers, podcasters of the Upbringing Podcast. We basically like to help parents who are struggling with their kids, especially around tricky discipline moments, those big feelings, those challenging behaviors, um, help them elevate their discipline for what we call sanity and social change. Um, so we're thinking about those like little moments, how we can um, respond instead of react, how we can be building skills alongside our kids, feeling connected throughout the whole thing. And then we're also thinking about the ways that we're doing that, creating um, some positive change, some positive social change, um, raising humans who are in touch with their inner wisdom and authority with their needs, who have um, been raised in a home where there's a lot of respect and empathy and um, nonviolent communication, problem solving of skills. Um, that's all the stuff that we like talking about and practicing ourselves on the daily. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're so we, excited. No, we love, we love our, we love our conversations with you. Yeah, we um, do. And we're just so lucky to be in this space with you guys and, yes. you know, give, give our little community that we have, you know, um, an input to all of your guys' knowledge and all the work that you have put in. So super exciting. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you so it. much. And uh, for this week, we're we're having a gin martini, but we're calling it the tantrum teeny because we're kind of focusing on tantrums. Um, so, you know, a clever name is uh, in my blood. That's probably not the most clever, but uh, I got to do a pun. Got to do a pun. Mm-hmm. Like um, so cheers. Yeah. So cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers. to the tantrums and the teenies. Yes. <laughs> well, we don't have a choice, right? We might as well cheers to them. Exactly. That's, that's it. That's it really works. like hard stuff's the good stuff, right? Hard drinks, <laughs> hard moments with our kids, trying to lean into all of them. Yeah. 100, 1000%. Mm-hmm. And I loved that so much last time when we were talking. I don't know, you know, who's listening if they heard before, but that was you know, Hannah kind of had that like, uh, epiphany almost. I think you, you kind of referred to it as when you were like, Oh, like hard drinks, hard conversations. Like it's kind of like swallowing a stiff drink. It's, uh, I, you could probably explain it better than I did. <laughs> Toddlers, alcoholic beverages, they're on the rocks. They're twisted. They're dirty. 
right? They're uh, shaken, muddled. Yes. Yes. Can we collaborate and put that on a t-shirt? Let's do it. Um, well, I think, so as Alicia said, we had some questions, we had a ton of questions from our first round with you guys. And, uh, mm-hmm. I think some that rolled over that we, uh, still, still pertain obviously. Um, so should we just get into our first question and kind of roll, roll with yeah. it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think one that I am thinking to start with is how to entertain your kids of different ages. So example, for example, if you have a newborn and a toddler at the same time, um, how to effectively do that. Uh, I don't even know how you would do that, not in a pandemic. So during a pandemic when, you know, you've got them all the time. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a big question. It's a big question. I feel like it's hard to know if the person who asked it is thinking about keeping those kids entertained because they need to be like doing something else working or if they're really like, how can I keep my kids engaged and playing and learning and spend time with them when they both have really different needs? So I feel like we want to answer the question kind of from that, but with the ultimate goal of serving that other person too, who's trying to get other shit done, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I think that the the first thing Kelty and I always talk about is like, okay, what is our role in this? And I think when it comes to our kids' play, we try to remember that their play belongs to them and we we like them to be busy. We need them to be busy, but it's not actually our job to entertain them. It's not our job um, to keep them busy. It's our job to basically prepare an environment where they can successfully play independently hopefully for long periods of time, right? Mm -hmm. That's the goal. So we don't have to be the entertainer, the cheerleader, um, the, the busy maker, you know, activity producer that actually can really undermine our kids, um, intrinsic motivation to play their flow, their, um, their kind of decision-making with like, Hey, what interests me right now? Right. We don't want them dependent on us Mm -hmm. for, for a constant attention when their play really belongs to them. Yeah. I feel like that's something that a lot of us have, have encountered, especially now in the pandemic time. And if we're working from home or if you have a new baby, all of Mm -hmm. a sudden we might be realizing, wow, okay. My, my toddler and my little kid is really needing me to be playing or quote unquote, entertaining them a lot. I guess we kind of fell into some of these patterns of of interacting or maybe when I was working all day and when I came home and was with them, all I did was really focused play and entertaining. So they're kind of just used to that and conditioned to that. And now we're home all the time. I'm right. needing a little more time to myself. I'm needing to be nursing this baby or feeding this baby or putting this baby down for a hundred fucking naps a day or whatever. <laughs> you know, how do I, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 it can be um, a feeling like it's an impossible moment. And you're just like, how do I keep them entertained? How do I feel connected to them through that process and not feel like I'm their play bitch, um, mm-hmm. which is something else that a lot of us have struggled with. Oh right? That's such wow. a good term. That's, yeah. I, I am I am the ultimate play bitch right here. So yeah. I felt oh that today. God. I felt that today hard. Actually, I was like, she's not buying into this. Like she, <laughs> she knows I'm just here to. I don't know if that's what you mean, but I like. I felt like she knew I was just there to like give her those few minutes. And then mm-hmm. I was gonna like leave again. No, <laughs> like, I, I, I was in it all the way. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I heard something on um, Laura, Dr. Laura Froyan's podcast, The Balanced Parent, recently, and she said she was talking with um, what's her name, Han Angela. Angela D'Alessandro, I think. Yeah, yeah. who's a play uh, play coach. And they were talking about how really our goal should be creating a home and a culture of play in our right. space 
without having to actually physically play, play with our kid. Like, go get the ball, son. I'll bring my mitt. We're going to go play. Right. Like, how, you know, and we do that a hundred different ways throughout the day. If we're not thinking about just generally making our home this feeling of lightness, of, um, good interactions of playfulness in general, you know, like, like, what is a tangible way? Because I'm hearing you say that and I'm thinking about my life and my, you know, me and Owen's, the way that we interact. And I think that, you know, our situation is specific as a single parent, so he doesn't have another person to interact with. So I'm, you know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse because, you know, it's nice to not have someone else to be taking the reins, but it's also not as great, you know? Um, So when it comes to like creating an environment where he plays without me, it's, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, Like even if I have his toys out and I say, okay, you play here, you know, I have to work for a little bit or you have all these toys here and he's, he'll play with it for a second. And then as soon as he sees that I'm doing something else, he comes and he wants to play with, I don't know. It feels like I have a difficult time with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's really tricky too when I think that we're like, okay, well, let's say we um, were with our kid and we're playing. And then we're like, okay, now I'm doing all of these other caregiving activities with my kids. I'm bathing them, I'm dressing them, I'm feeding them. And God damn it, I'm with them again. It's really hard to, to create separate time. And so that's why we really believe that play is inherently our kids work time and work not as in the bad way work is in the most beautiful way that we all want to be working and spending our time self-directed our own choice our own pace our own flow serving our individual needs right mm-hmm. and saving that play so i would say the the one thing that i would focus on and that we talk to a lot of folks we work with is saying let's create the connection and the play in our day-to-day caregiving activities when we're doing the potty time, mm-hmm. when we're doing the food time, when we're doing whatever, all play. those times that we feel like we want to be sitting on our phone or just getting through or hauling laundry bins back and forth while they're eating or right. all those and saying, can mm-hmm. we be present? Because really playing with our kid is just saying, I see you and I'm connecting with you. And right. that's why kids are really wanting us to play with them. Not because they necessarily need us, they couldn't do without us, but they're just searching for connection. So if we can find ways to fill their cup, um, in these caregiving activities throughout the day, it gives them kind of these anchor points, which can then let them be a little bit more successful playing independently. Um, and then I would say the second thing that we would suggest is just lovingly setting the boundary. If you've got to work, if we've got to do something else, I've even set the boundary, which feel at the beginning, it felt like so cruel and harsh to literally be like, so I'm reading my book right now. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing? Like to show I can't be with you all the time. Right. And and I and if I'm with you right now, you're going to feel that I don't want to be with you right now. And this is what I'm needing. I'm setting a personal boundary. And I know I'm so confident that you're going to find something. I've created an environment that's, you know, prepared for you. You have access to what you need. You've got open-ended toys, right? Right. And, and I've just I- got to keep setting the boundary and be consistent. I think that's a hard thing. I think that's a hard thing. I mean, for me personally, the setting of boundaries is really hard because I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm going, oh, I do that to an extent. Like I do this thing um, where I, I make an accent. So I'll, I, Owen calls, we call it Russian mama. So I do a Russian accent when I'm reading a book or he's in the bath. So, you know, if we're doing something, he'll go be Russian mama and we do this, you know. Um, I don't even know if it's a Russian accent. I have no idea what the accent is because I'm not good at them. But he finds it fun and that kind of like is very playful. Um, so I was laughing when you were saying, you know. But um, but yeah, when it comes to the balance and like uh, boundaries, I feel, and I'm sure other parents feel this too, 
I feel like I don't deserve that time or something that it feels like uh, when I'm reading a book and he comes up to me and says, I want to play, then I feel like I have to be, I have to put down what I'm doing to be there for him. But in reality, that's not great for either of us, which is really Mm -hmm. great to kind of mentally say out or not mentally, just to say that out loud and realize like that kind of gives me a a breath. (laughs) Like yeah, you, you deserve your time. You deserve those boundaries and space away from our, our kids. And I think the, the big ask is that we get clear on that before we say, I'm tired of playing right now, you know, until yeah. we get pushed to that time where it comes out more like a judgment or like censure or more like go play by yourself, Jesus Christ, yeah. than, you know, I'm going to, let's play for a little bit. And then I was thinking, I'm going to go read or I'm going to do dishes. What will you do after we play this game? Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of, just going in knowing that I, I I need to come in with a little bit of awareness here mm-hmm. so I don't get sucked in and I don't end up resentful um, yeah. at my kid. And I think the one other thing that we would talk about in terms of potentially having um, a little bit of that guilt and always feeling that pressure to play with kids or um, having maybe just spent a lot of time interacting with them that they've become accustomed to that cycle is to work on fading your presence. So instead of putting up that hard boundary right away, and this is what we would recommend for people who have a new baby too, where you're like, shit, I can't be playing all the time. It's not even just a personal boundary that I don't want to because I need to be doing other things with my life too. But it's that that involves caregiving for another little human being is to work on fading your presence. So basically saying, yeah, I'll come, I'll come sit with you when they say come play. And then you say, oh, but I'm just going to watch, you know, and if you have the other baby, I'd say, we're going to watch you. We're going to be here right next to you. And basically kind of dialing back your presence. So coming there and just focusing on, I'm going to be a little less interactive. I'm going to talk less. I'm going to um, ask questions less Maybe and I'm praise just, less. Yeah, praise less. Mm-hmm. I'm going to basically just be nodding and showing that I'm paying attention and I give a shit, but I'm not going to be potentially dominating or over-interacting or feeling that pressure to entertain, right? I'm letting right. the work be theirs and I'm, I'm training them back to their ability to get into flow without needing me there, right? Yeah. Right. And so that takes time. And you can also say, I'll come for a few minutes. Then I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to go run and go play, uh, pee real quick. I'll be right back. And these are the techniques that we use for sleep issues as well. <laughs> where we say, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to sit by the door actually. I'm going to sit mm-hmm. right here. If you can stay in bed, I'll be here, but I'm not going to be lying in bed with you anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can acknowledge that. I used to play with you and really like get in there and build the tower with you. I think I'm just going to start moving towards being here and watching you do your awesome work because it's pretty cool and I love watching, you know. So that's really yeah, helped yeah. us a lot. That is super helpful. Yeah. And something that I just wanted to touch on briefly is when you're saying, um, which I, I agree with, and I and I know that you everyone here agrees with this, is like kind of preparing for the next step so that they're not, mm-hmm. you know, thrown off or um mm-hmm. It, you know, just not prepared for the next step. And I love doing that. And it's been really beneficial to me and, and River and the way that we handle, you know, leaving, leaving places, getting ready to go places, food, turning off the TV, all of that. Um, I had a question for you guys, though, because I read, I don't remember what it was. Somebody was like, don't, don't prepare them because it's only that's all they're going to think about all day. Mm, and I don't agree with that. But I think that there are people who might be listening who are like, I don't do that because I don't want them to be anticipating the next step all day. Um, If you guys just want to touch on that briefly. 
Yeah, uh, I think that's a great question. I think it, and something I was thinking about as Sarah, you were wrapping up what you were saying is so much about this is knowing what our kids need, knowing what their temperament is, knowing right. how they respond to information. Kelty and I talk about our kids' freedoms. Um, we have a download on our website of 10 freedoms and freedom to know is a really big one. And oftentimes the freedom to know, giving our kids information can uh, create security for them. So they have a sense of predictability of what's mm -hmm. what's happened, what's happening now, and what's going to happen later. And if we can start that pattern really early, then information will be inherently um, securing for them, right? Yeah. But oftentimes, and if we haven't done that as much, or if just based on the temperament of our kids, sometimes information can trigger a little bit of an anxiety response, depending right. on what that information is. So, you know, right. information, we're going to have lunch in 10 minutes versus you're going to get a shot this afternoon at the doctor right. are, <laughs> right. are a little bit different pieces of information. But Kelsey and I were just talking about this today. Yeah. When, when we left for a walk this morning, I said goodbye to my kids. Uh, and gave him a kiss and said, I'd be back in a little while. And Kelsey ghosted her kids. <laughs> it wasn't a full ghost. It wasn't a full ghost, Hannah. I sneaked I, out so the window, back and roll. No, I said, it's so interesting how we handle our goodbyes differently. Yeah. You say goodbye and I don't. I, I make sure they see me putting my coat on. And right. I kind of rub their back a little bit. And then I leave. Because if I say I'm going for a walk, like – seven years of experience have taught me with these particular kids, which might be true for the person that that said this to you, um, it's not going to go well. Or there's a potential that they'll be like, actually, now that you broke my flow in doing this amazing project that I was doing great at, I'd like to come with you. Right, or actually, right. I'd like to throw a wrench <laughs> in your plans. You aren't going anywhere, mom. Yeah. Like the right? Because my kids are spirited. Yeah. Right. They're just like little plan ruiners. Right. And so mine oh are sensitive. Yeah, mine are <laughs> Mine are sensitive. So if I don't tell my kids that I'm leaving or show them in a way, then they'll be like, where did mom go? And they'll feel anxious about me having left without telling them maybe. Mm -hmm, and right. Kelsey is spirited. So if she is too explicit in her in her communication, then mm -hmm. oftentimes that can feel inflammatory to them or stress-inducing. It's so it's all about the child. And right? I think it's all about yep. the delivery too. Yeah, so I my mean. delivery was a little more nuanced. Hannah's yours was a little bit more explicit. I think about um, you know, we're gonna have to stop playing in a little bit or we're soon we're gonna go to the doctor later today. All of those things aren't innately anxiety provoking even to any kid, but the way we say it is really mm -hmm. important if we say, so remember we're going to the doctor later, okay? And we're going to get the shot. If we right. say it like that, God, that gives me like a stomach ache to yeah. hear, right? Or if we're like only two more minutes of playing though, just two, and then we're going to go put shoes on. If I say it like that, they'd be like, fuck you. Or I don't want to go, I don't want to stop play. That sounds terrible. Don't right. tell me that stuff. Yeah. As opposed to, okay, so I just want to check in about this. We're going to play for a little bit. Then I was thinking maybe the next thing is this. What do you think? You know, I think that well, we can, our, our vibe really influences right. how our kids take in that information and, and yeah. the, those kind of routine markers and that planning for the future. I actually have a question since you just brought that up while we're in it, but how do you feel about timers? Because I do set timers because it's helpful, but do you think that that is that, is that more? No, we love timers for baking. For baking. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, no. Well, I, I think that okay, I, okay. This is I, good to talk I, about because no. I, I use them. I think that timers are all about, they're basically creating a boundary. And I right. think that they're really good practice for those of us who struggle to set boundaries and and struggle to Me. move through <laughs> or for struggle for kids 
to um, adhere to a boundary from a person, right? Well, if the alarm says it, then that's just the powers that be. That's how it is. That can often help a child to move through with less kind of interpersonal energy, right? And that can also help us as adults say, oh, instead of saying, I have to have some authority here that's a little uncomfortable for Mm me, or I have to work through this transition with you in a a, a way that I'm not comfortable with yet, Mm -hmm. the timer is kind of a support system in that way. I think you could use a timer in that way also depending on the type of kids because my kids would hear it and be like, that's just some dumb timer that said it. Like, right. why, why, why should I, I care what I'm doing because of the sound? Um, and also, I think timers can tiptoe for some people into countdown territory. They're like, the timer was doing it. I'm going to start counting down from 10 or I'm going to count to five and then I need you to whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's it's the timer countdown culture that says it's, it's all about lack. You're about to lose time. You're about to, right, to get right. cut off. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's that. And I think as a sensitive person, I'm just like, oh gosh, mm-hmm. if a timer is going and I hear the beep, beep, beep getting mm-hmm. faster, or I hear my time dwindling, or I worry about how much time is actually left, mm-hmm. that, that actually catapults just, me into anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and again, back to the, the different types of kids Kelty and I have, Kelty's kids will just blow off a timer and right. my kids will feel stressed from a timer. Mm-hmm. So, and then other kids might, that might be the perfect thing for your yeah, son. That might be and great be like, oh, timer, ding, yeah. ding. Like, you know, right. kind of in the middle on the, on the anxiety spectrum. I don't right. think it is. I think it worked for, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. Um, no, I was going to say R- River was like into it for, for a few mm-hmm. And then now that we do it, she likes to press start and then she like finds it funny and she's like, oh, this is funny, mom. Mm-hmm. And then when it goes off, she just looks at me. She's like, nah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, um, I, press, I have to press play, but I'm not yeah. going to play by those rules. Yeah. She's like, no, nah, no. Nah, one more episode. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, fuck. Well, I, I no. think that's, a, that's such a good point, though, too, that I think that, again, it's not about the inherent thing of the timer itself or of any of these things. It's like about how we use them, how we're using it as a tool. So we got a timer. I don't even know why we got it. My husband ordered it. It was a little animal timer, and it would show the red and go down. And yeah. my daughter loved it. And she was so excited. So she'd just be timing things to test it out. And then I offered her a few times, and I said, well, we're going to be, you know, um, moving, you know, heading to the farm, like to Kelty's house in five minutes. Do you want to set the timer for five minutes? So I actually, I kind of started working with her to actually start using the timer herself so that it didn't feel like a tool being used against her to take away something she wanted. And I think that started helping create a better association around it, but we haven't really, really used it since, but she is older. So yeah, but using it in that way to also help cultivate an understanding of how long something is. You know, right. it's you yeah, know what 15 minutes feels like. Mm-hmm. You're still learning about time, right? For I remember being a kid and being like, wow, this 20 minute play that my parents are subjecting me to feels like eight hours. Mm-hmm. You know, right. the sense of time is so different than ours. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, just real quick, I can just say absolutely because I read that recently that like, uh, not not too recently, but I, I read recently that um, kids have like no real at River's age, have no like real concept of time. And mm-hmm. so I put something in the microwave for her today and she goes, all done. Like right when I close the door and I'm like, no, honey, it has to, we need to wait. Let's count. Let's count to 15. And we, <laughs> we count it together. And like after three seconds, she goes, all done. And I'm like, no, <laughs> baby. I'm like, we're waiting. I'm like, we're waiting. because <laughs> So it was just so funny to like see it live and, and her, like I close the door and she no concept that it hasn't done anything yet. Like mm-hmm. it's still. Well, and that's why it makes so much sense to, instead of using time with our kids to use what's going to happen in that time. So you could yeah. say, so you're playing right now. And instead of saying we're leaving in 10 minutes, you could say, I'm going to do the dishes because they mm-hmm. know how long that takes. Right. And then I'm going to go to the bathroom and then we're going to head out. 
Mm-hmm. And then you could say, so that's about 10 minutes, you know? Yeah, right. But yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. something beautiful too that kids have. And I like, we always want to turn this to like what our kids' kind of limitations are is actually something really beautiful that we can kind of be leaning into a little more. Like, I know the exact time literally within two to three minutes, just not looking at a clock. And I think that's really sad. <laughs> I, I, I was I about love- to congratulate you. I was like, wow. No. But I don't have anywhere to be or anything to do, like right. except for random podcasts. Like I should not be, I like <laughs> driving my time down to minutes. I, yeah. I, I, I struggle as a mom and as a a sensitive person and as a former people pleaser to just lose myself in time. And yeah. I think losing yourself in time is one of the most beautifully selfish and entitled things that kids teach us to do every day. And so yeah. I think that's something we can we can learn from them in that respect. Oh, that reminded me of. Yeah, that reminded me of. I think I talked about this the last time we talked, but it reminded me of the um, the psychic, the my yeah. psychic therapist appointment. Because mm-hmm. the one thing he said to me, he looked at me, and we had a conversation. He kind of got to know my energy, and then he looked at me and he goes, "Say this out loud. I have time." And he goes and breathe. And so I did it. I repeated it, and then he goes, "Say it again. I've got time." Yeah. And I did it, and my body just everything kind of melted away because I realized that I'm so always so conscious of time and not getting enough done in the ni- enough amount of time. And anyway, that just hit that, hit I that, love that. so hard. So, I, so, I, so now I find myself doing that. I'll just, uh, in the middle of the day, like today, I'll, I'll be like, I have time. <laughs> I have time. I'm on the other hand, I'm like, I, I guess what time it is. And then I, and then I try to guess if, if it's right. Like all the time. I like have this little game <laughs> in my head where I'm like, I'm going to guess what time it is. And I'm right all the time. Cause I'm so fucking focused on it mm-hmm. but when we're talking about like timers and in time in general in 10 minutes and five minutes I'm almost concerned for the day when River does understand time because as a I think she's like when you guys talk about your children and their differences and you know they're a little bit older than River but um, I see her as like like Hannah will say something and Kelty will say something and I'm like oh that's a little bit of River and that's a little bit of River so I feel like she's like sensitive spirited and I'm worried that understanding time is going to give her a lot of anxiety and that's why she defers from it when I say like here's a timer and then the timer goes off she's like nah Mm -hmm. like I I, I feel like she's going to be very um sensitive to it yeah and I mean even just taking the 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 microwave example you know the food goes in and she's like so stoked about it you know as opposed to focusing on well no it's not done yet well no it's not done yet let's count to 15 how many seconds I would focus on her and her experience you sound really ready for it to to be done are you excited to eat it when it comes out let's feel it for a second is it warm yet oops feels still pretty mm-hmm. cold. Maybe should we put it in a little longer? Mm-hmm. And as opposed to focusing on the time and that, let's focus on her internal process of ex- of what that experience feels like. You can't yeah. wait. You're so eager to eat it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want it to be done in three seconds. You want it to be done yeah. right this moment. <laughs> I hear that. The second time I was like, because we had to, okay, so they were microwavable pancakes and we did it two times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm my ch- my child will not eat normal food, um, but it was the second time, and I was like, okay, let's dance during it. And I was like, we're gonna dance mm-hmm, and stuff because she loves to dance, and so we do this stupid dance, and we're doing it, and we did it three times, and then the the beep beep went off, the beep beep on the on the microwave, <laughs> and she was like, it's done, and I was like, you didn't even say anything the whole time, so yeah, it's it's like understanding, but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit every single time. I'm not going to always have a great success story, but 
Yeah. Like she's no, I think, to be sensitive to it. Yeah. I think too, with the pandemic, something I've noticed, I mean, and I'm sure a lot of folks who are listening have noticed this too, just with the slower pace of life. Mm-hmm. Now, when I, my daughter and I actually have to be somewhere, we both really struggle because yeah. we haven't had that pressure to time, to get a certain place at a certain time and pack up and do these things. And it made me realize how much I was hurrying pre-pandemic, how yeah. much I hurried my kids where I felt like on this this kind of external watch, this like this this viewed kind of image of me of like how fast, how productive, how uh, efficient, this kind of grind culture mentality a lot more. And I think that something with the pandemic that's helped me is just like realizing, wow, we don't have anywhere to be or anything to do at particular times. We're, we're trying to work with the flow here. That's a privilege. I, I, I acknowledge that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's she's one of those um, those kids that's really sensitive to perceived pressure and time uh, stuff. Like she had a spelling test online and she just she freaked out like because it was time to do it. Yeah. You know, we had to get her to the doctor and we were like needing to move and get her out of the house a little bit. And I noticed I was doing that old pressure thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, every kid's so different. I feel like y'all had a um, a question about routine stuff. This could yes. segue well. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, um, the- go ahead, Gosh. No, no, I was just going to read it. Unless you had something to say to no. I have okay. nothing. I have nothing oh, to add. Have nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I have nothing. Never. Um, I always okay. Have okay, and then I lost it. So that's that's fun. Um, okay. I think it was creating a routine. Creating a routine and how to find the motivation to stick to it. How is that what it yeah, that's what Sticking it to a routine. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that's kind of the whole the whole question is <laughs> like how how to how yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So sticking to a routine, like with our kids, like a daily routine. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I think sticking mm-hmm. to yeah. a routine during, during mm-hmm. times where, uh, I don't know, maybe like, okay. From, from, from my perspective, I have a, the ability to stick to a routine because Owen goes to school daycare, uh, from, you know, eight 30 to five 30 when I pick him up, but the evenings and the mornings, it's like, sometimes those are just like, uh, soup sandwich. Like I don't, you know, the mornings are tough. Um, and then the weekends come and it's, you know, there's no, the, the routine doesn't carry on to the weekends. So, um, for me, it might be more specific to that, but I think just, yeah, sticking to a routine when you don't have this structured job or structured daily right. situation going on, um, it's hard. Yeah. How do you, you know, what, what, what can we do? I mean, that's the big question, right? I think we're all floundering in so many ways. And we go through these ages and stages and phases with our kids that are really tricky. And I think the reason we're talking about routine is because it's been proven in research to to create a sense of security. Having that predictability and that rhythm of the day helps us. We're creatures of rhythm, right? We're, we're made of, of nature and nature has the seasons and the rhythms and kids really need that too to create that sense of predictability. I like that you call it rhythm instead of routine, Hannah. Okay. But I think that yeah, I it, can that. Really, it can really easily be confused with routine, which routine is prescribed. It's usually right. one-sided. It's usually somewhat rigid, right? Because it has an expectation associated. It has time associated. Yeah. And I think that rhythm is the word that we like to use with our kids and with ourselves because it's it has intention, it has awareness, but it has with it kind of an inherent organic um, organic flexibility to it that mm-hmm. that makes it so that it it really can suit the needs of all of us and evolve over time to be suiting our needs. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about um I remember I was 
I met my husband um, during college and I remember walking campus with him and he was studying architecture. <clears throat> and we kind of um, veered through this kind of new landscaping area. And he said, can you see what we're walking on? And I was like, I don't know, just a little like trail that people made cutting across. And he was like, architects call these desire paths. So oh, basically before they put oh. everything in or all the, lay all the sidewalks down, they wait to see where people walk. Oh, and which which way people are going. So, I mean, you know all the places that didn't consider Desire Pass because those are where people are cutting through constantly, um, those areas. So I love thinking of that in terms of of setting the rhythms in our home. So some of it is, yes, these anchor points of things that, that we think kind of must happen through the day. And then a lot of the rest, we just have to kind of pay attention um, and develop a little bit of intention and awareness around where those Desire Paths emerge. Is my kid showing me they actually like to maybe brush their teeth, you know, before dinner or at 11 a.m. they like to take a bath, right? Or walks I thought would be really nice first thing because I happen to love fresh air then. My kid, their desire path around this is more like at two, right when they wake up, that they really need to get outside and get some fresh air, right? It's about noticing and and being flexible enough to kind of, um, you know, float through with, with, with some intention, but with that flexibility. Right. Yeah. Adjusting. Uh, right. Yeah. Mean. I mean, it's, it's hard to hear you, not hard to hear you say that. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of mesh the two together because I think about, I was actually thinking about this yesterday because uh, it's Owen's birthday on Friday. So he got a few presents yesterday. So when we got home, I let him open them because they're a box in the front of the door when we get home. So I can't be like, I mean, I could have, I let him open them because I want to. <laughs> because don't. I wanted to. Um, so I want to some presents in my life. Come on. Just, yeah. I mean, he's got a whole week. You know what? If we get presents every day, he's got a week, a week of a birthday. So, uh, so I, but I say in the car when I pick him up and go, okay, we're going to go when we get home. And I'm rethinking this now, but I say, when we get home, what are we going to do? We're going to do bath, jammies, then we're going to open your presents, and then it's dinner and bed. So I kind of lay out the evening for him. But I get so stuck on it. So last night when we got home, I gave him a bath. I put his jammies on and then he started playing. And usually I'm like trying to get him in bed by seven. Our sleep routine is all screwed up anyway. So that's a whole other story. But I try to get him in bed between seven and eight. Um, And last night it just didn't work that way because he was playing with his toys and he was enjoying that. And I I didn't have dinner ready yet. So by the time he got in bed, it was closer to eight. Um, And I'm in my mind going, am I pushing this routine and making him go to bed early for my own reasoning because I need that time, but yet I'm not getting that time anyway. So it's sort of like I'm pushing a routine thinking it's better, but he's, his desire path is not where mine is. So Mm -hmm. it's sort of like, Mm -hmm. you know, we have, I have to rethink that. And I feel like I'm flexible in my mind. I think I'm flexible, but when I look at what I'm doing, I'm like, I am absolutely not. You know what the the word that comes to me in that moment, and I can totally identify with that, is more spontaneity than flexibility. I think yeah. we want to be always with our routines and rhythms, holding a bit of flexibility, meeting our kids where they are, and not having to kind of drag them kicking and screaming from one thing to the other. But I think um, thinking of the the word spontaneity helps me be like, okay, this is a spontaneous thing. This is a little veering off of our natural course, and that's okay. Right. I'm, I'm I'm putting a little intention behind it, so I don't feel like I'm failing at this, right? Yeah, I think that all of these these routines and rhythms, uh, and I think it's really great that you're holding them with a loose grip, right? Mm-hmm. We're not holding them so tight that we are um, kind of um, 
uh, like chained to them, like we're right. victims of them, right? right? Slaves to them. Um, so, but I think it's it, it's just like Kelty was saying, it's kind of this evolving process of recalibration, and that's mm-hmm. okay. It's going to evolve. We're going to notice things. Anything we do, it's not like we've set this in stone. This isn't just us anymore. This isn't just us in our morning routine. Oh, damn! I only journaled for ten minutes instead of fifteen, mm-hmm. and like. Oh, like I, I forgot to put a banana in my smoothie. Shit. Right. Like it, this is like raising another human being and figuring out a way to meet both of your needs right. and be the, as the responsible one. Like it is so much responsibility <laughs> figuring this out. Like we got to give ourselves grace, right? Just yeah. so, I'm sorry. That is such a funny and enlightening way to put it because I'm sitting here going like, oh my God, I do compare it. It's like almost like the same. Like I feel the same. I don't, I don't know, not guilt, but, um, you, you think about these things, um, in such different weights. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. I don't know, that's just like such a funny way to put it because I'm like, oh yeah, it is like completely different. Like also that reminds me of just to like, you can't allow other people's like judgment and harsh critics to come in when you're doing something that is so much more important than like picking a banana or whatever. Does that make sense? Like, or, or yeah. like is, is anything about that making sense? Because I don't know when you said that, I'm like, oh yeah, like chillish. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's two sides of the same coin where because we're responsible, we hold ourselves to seriously high standards yeah. and the same standards, if not more than we held ourselves, but just when we were just us, right. Mm-hmm. And with our smoothies and, but with that responsibility comes acknowledgement of that responsibility, which should give us that 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 pass to say, wow, this is a lot of coordination. Wow, this is a yeah. lot of unpredictable management mm-hmm. of another human being. This isn't like, oh, I'm programming my Roomba. Like this is a, <laughs> this is a child, you know, another human with really right. diverse and unique needs that we are literally discovering on a day-to-day basis through this routine together. That's right. how you learn about needs is by your kid saying, uh, no, I don't like this. Or by you saying, wow, this was not working for me. Yeah. All of it's really good information. We're trying to destigmatize and normalize these transition struggles, which is why this is such a great question. Yeah. Also, I, I just to add on to that, I feel like especially during um, just to touch on the pandemic situation with the, our relationship with our kids, like we're learning so much more about them than mm-hmm. I think that we would normally be able to, which is is awesome or crazy or <laughs> whatever it might be. Yeah. But um, yeah. but really, like having this time to fully understand my my kid every day is it's a kind of wild process, and just to kind of roll with it and get to know them better and see what um, what flows, what doesn't flow. I think that just yeah, it's that. like picturing yourselves on a desert island, but like with some hot guy or hot person instead, <laughs> where you're like, we thought we were like not getting along and like, but we were stuck yeah. together. And then like, we discovered all these amazing things about each other. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that would be a different clothes or anything. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. no, yeah. But yeah, like that's it, right? Like I am, my daughter, I, I talked about this last time, like my daughter's and my relationship is so different today than it was a year ago. Yes, because she's older, mm-hmm. but also because I'm a more focused, present, conscious parent now, or I'm trying to be. So, yeah. um, and then the flip side, oh, go ahead. Oh, go no, ahead. go ahead. No, mine was, it was just a, an anecdote about Owen and how um, I've just realized how funny he is or how funny 
how much he wants me to laugh at him. He started telling jokes and it's the same joke every time, but it's different in the way that he'll go, um, okay, hey mom. And I'm like, what? He goes, okay, why did Henny and uh, Rambo cross the road? And these are dogs that he knows. Why did Henny and Rambo not cross the road? And I go, I don't know why. And he goes, because they had everything they needed. And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm, I love that you made this up and you are like thinking it's hilarious. So we just laugh, but then he'll tell it like eight times in a row and, um, it just changes up. The people change. Why did the man not cross the road? Because he needed an egg. I'm like, I don't understand these, but you're hilarious. This is great. Thank you. We're Uh, mixing cocktails. He's mixing jokes. You're made for each other. We are MFE. Oh, no. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that Alicia, you were saying that the, the one of the benefits and the bright sides of this um, parenting and captivity I hate, situation. I hate saying that, you know, I hate being like, oh, the upside of all that because no. <laughs> no, but acknowledging uh, value, I think, is really important, right? Or and silver I think, linings. Or silver yeah. linings. Or, you know, I think any struggle, any challenge that any of us have is 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 a two-sided coin. And I think that the other side of that, um, which maybe we can talk on next with, with another question, is like the the just the chronic, you know, grind of it and mm-hmm. how hard that can be when you're not just dealing with a, a little person keeping them busy and entertained. You're not just dealing with them. How are we going to plan the routine for the day and keep them informed? But like, wow, this little child has some really big feelings. Big feelings. And this is and this is hard as hell on me, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the next question, I think I, I want to add to it a little bit. I want to amend it. I want to, I want to ask the question, but I want to just attach onto the end. Is that okay? Yeah. We, have, um, we have one more that we're going to go over, right? Or- well, well, I, can I go into it? Cause I think that's what we're yes. kind of transitioning into that. Right. I so, can. um, the question originally is our toddler, tra- our tod. <laughs> I'm almost done with my martini here. Can you tell? <laughs> um, are toddler tantrums more frequent because they're bored? And I also, and maybe it's too much to add on to that, but like a lack of sleep or, or, uh, maybe that's an addendum or maybe that's like a separate conversation, but I do want to talk about on top of that toddler tantrums and sleeping, because I think that's an important one, uh, specifically to me right now, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I know to other, I know there are other parents that are feeling that as well, but I think the main one is our toddler tantrums more frequent because they're bored because they're not getting enough stimulation or, or because we don't feel like we're giving them enough stimulation probably is more. I'm just wondering like if the person's saying, are they more frequent? I want to be like, then what? Then adult tantrums? Because I probably tantrum (laughs) about as much as a toddler. Um, But I think probably they're, asking that, <laughs> probably they're asking that based on the fact that they used to have this baby and then they had this little chair that went to daycare. That, yeah, maybe. also. Yeah, but it was, you know, Someone else was dealing with their tantrums. Yeah. Right. Or they're just, you know, in a more malleable stage of their development. Um, and I think that, that kids hit a certain age and people are like, oh, God, the terrible twos or the three-nagers or whatever it is. Um, and all of a sudden they're like, where's my baby? Why are these tantrums happening more often? Is it – and they start grasp, grasping for straws. Is it because they're bored? Is it because they're tired? Is it because they, they need something? What's going <laughs> or on? Or am I do, doing something wrong? Yeah. Right? Which is so natural to be wondering. Um, and I think that we always try to just demystify the toddler tantrum and the and the eight year old tantrum and the fifteen year old tantrum and the thirty eight year old tantrum, 
and just say that that tantrums come from stress. And in kids, they also come from a developing brain. And it's a combination really of those two things. And they're natural, they're normal, and they're absolutely necessary for kids to be having. Mm -hmm. So we always want to just like clarify that right away, that that, that it's not the child's fault to be having a tantrum. It's not the parent's fault necessarily, that the the child is having these big feelings um, and it can come from a lot of different things, right? And it's going to look a lot of different ways. I think mm-hmm. when we have a, a tantrum as an adult, we, we hold it together pretty well because we have a prefrontal cortex that helps mm-hmm. us regulate our emotions and calm ourselves a little bit better, hopefully. You know, we, we, we have skills in communication and other things that help us meet our needs more adaptively, but toddlers and kids and even teenagers do not have that brain piece built yet. So they flip their lids so fast. Right. And I think the question this person has about uh, is that because they're bored, I think it reminds me of when like I've had a really busy, stressful week, a bunch of shit has happened Mm -hmm. and I'm driving home from like dropping Kelty off literally two minutes from her driveway to my driveway. And I literally just burst into tears Mm. because uh, that is a moment where there's just enough quiet time. where I'm not going, 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 doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this. Like a child will be activity to this, to this. There's a little bit of space that says, how are you feeling? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And the body is able to speak, right? For Mm -hmm. the child and say, I have stress that I need to express. Otherwise I'm going to be repressing that stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So it's got to come out. And and so we want to think of that as, oh my gosh, I am cultivating a safe, open-ended environment where there is enough space and time for my child to process their stress. This is awesome. I, that made me think of on your, your men, one of your mental mantras for resist is uh, my voice will become their inner voice. And that just reminded me of like um, the way that I grew up and the voice that I had of like holding in my stress and not being able to let that out. Um based on the way I was raised, like, you know, your big feelings weren't okay. So it's sort of like, we have to allow our children's big feelings to be okay. But it's, it's, you're sort of uh, trying to fix that within yourself. Right. I mean, yeah, those mirror neurons, right. Your brain is responding to their brain's response. And meanwhile, we're an attachment figure who's supposed to be like the calm, cool co-regulator. Like when we had them as a baby and They would cry and say, I'm expressing stress and we could be there for them. But when they're throwing something at us and looking like so gnarly and like going on for so long, it's really hard to look at them with that Mm -hmm. same compassion and with that same clarity of my baby needs help. (laughs) I got got to dive in there and calm their nervous system. Their brain's inflamed. It needs help because it's like half built, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, It's really tricky. It is really it's so tricky. tricky. It's really tricky. And I almost kind of wish that I remembered what I was like at three years old because right. like, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't, rem- I don't have many memories from that age or any at all, honestly, but I, I like, I wonder what sits with her and, and um, resonates with her. Cause and I, I don't know, it's just, you, it, it's a, it's sometimes the difficult conversations that I'm having with her. I'm like, is this even hitting? Is it not hitting? Like, are we, are we on the same page? So it's an interesting thing to think about. Like, how, what was I like at that age? Or um, I wish I could know. Yeah. I think that curiosity is beautiful. I think mm-hmm. thinking, approaching with non-judgmental curiosity to ourselves and our own uh, children within, right? And wondering, how did I feel when that happened? How, why might I be triggered when my child is whining incessantly or, or having a meltdown or doing these things? 
And then thinking about they actually have the answer. And that's the beautiful thing about kids is like they don't beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. They they tell you pretty much what they need and they show you how. Like, And so all we really need, I think, in, in those moments of tantrums, we're like, oh my God, I have to figure out how to fix this. I've got to stop this. This feels very wrong. We kind of go into emergency state, fight or flight in our own brains because mm-hmm. of those mirror neurons and those triggered upbringings. But I think we have to keep remembering it's normal, natural, necessary. We have to calm ourselves first. And then we just have to work on being a secure base for them to calm down. And then later we can process, how was it going for you? What were you needing? Or maybe we piece together a little bit ourselves on our own. Oh, we moved through these transitions kind of quick. Oh, they didn't, they skipped that snack. Oh, they've got a new sibling. So wow, their lives are like upside down right now. All those things aren't excuses they're, they're, they're these kind of, um, information building kind of puzzle pieces. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually have a, I have a thought, um, and just hearing what you're saying and I, knowing that I am actively always trying to be calm and present. And when he has his big feelings, I'm trying to understand them, but also knowing that the human side of me and the stress and the things that are going on, I do lose my shit. And, um, and I see him, I, I see him, it reflects in him. So there are times where he's trying to put on a shoe and he freaks out and it's like, what the, you know, and I go, oh, I do that. Okay. I'm seeing myself in him. And I guess my question here is like, where is the, I so, I feel it and I feel so guilty and I, I just know that I have to do better about it. But then the worry of, am I damaging him? I think that's what, where I'm getting at. Like, is it reversible at the, can I, can I f- fix it or am I now, is he, is he going, is that going to stick with him forever? I guess is more my question. Is it something that, um, as long as I go forward and, and keep doing better, is he going to let go of those stressors that I've not act, you know, not meant to put on him? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that question so much. <laughs> Thank you for asking that. But yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. It's the, it's the question of the day. Like how can we show up for our kids about things that we lose our shit about on yeah. a regular basis or in the yeah. same way? Yeah. And I think that it's not like you're necessarily modeling those things where he's losing his shit about a shoe because he saw you lose your shit about something. I think in some ways that can kind of be directly modeled and, and kind of integrated, but really generally speaking, it's just a lack of frustration tolerance and moments of stress. And it's a human condition, right? right? So it's going to happen with you. It's going to happen with him. Right. And it's okay. I think that, that it's a kind of a twofold process though. I think that as you are working on yourself, that's what our kids give us this amazing opportunity to, to grow up alongside them. Right. We never needed as much patience as we did, as we have since we had kids. We've right. never needed so much um, problem-solving skills. We've never needed so much awareness. Before we had kids, we were like totally different people based on the skill sets we've developed because they've given us that opportunity slash necessity to show up and grow up with them, right? Um, so I think that first thing is saying working on ourselves. You're just going to keep going. It's not two steps forward, three steps back down the the staircase. It's a river flowing always. We're always moving. We're always growing, right? And that's okay. And I think just like you brought up that mantra, working those mantras in your mind as you're building that awareness to, oh, he's getting in a sticky situation or I start seeing his face starting to gnarl down about this shoe is when we start our self-reg process. So that's when we start taking those deep breaths. That's when we start saying, I see you struggling. I'll be right back. I'm like, like in mentally, I'm thinking I got to abandon him for one second so that I can actually show up in a way 
that will help him and that I'll feel proud of later, right? So, or we're three steps in, we've lost our shit, but we still have the awareness that it happened. That's huge Mm because next time we're going to be starting this process a little bit sooner. Each Mm -hmm. time we're backing it up, we're reeling it in, and we're building the skills to lean in and engage in a different way. And then the second part of that, I think, is um, using a little bit of transparency and connection about the fact that we were struggling to support them. And that is absolutely okay. In the moment, as as opposed to just losing our shit, we can try to say, I'm struggling to support you. Right. Mm-hmm. We can have a little bit of honest communication and not when you couldn't do your shoe, I got mad at you right. or anything that explicit, but just saying, I was struggling or I moment. am struggling in that moment. And then we can always bring it up if we totally lose it later. When you were struggling to get your shoe on, I was having trouble taking those deep breaths and being there to help you. I'm really sorry about that. Right. I'm working on it. I'm working right. on it. Right. Or if he or if he observes you or you know our kid observes us struggling through our own moment and feeling frustrated, we, later we can say, oh, I'd had a long day and I was feeling mm-hmm. anxious about something. And when this happened, it when was you, like- You saw me trying to get the trash bag out of the trash can when it, I went ape right. shit King Kong on <laughs> it, <remember? laughs> right. it. It wasn't about the trash can. And I think that that's something we have to acknowledge for ourselves and our kids that it's the camel that the, the straw that broke the camel's back type situation right. where these big feelings don't just come out in a, a quiet, chill moment where they can rise to the surface and be expressed, but they also get janked to the surface by like my husband bringing me the wrong ice cream. I see a dirty sock on the floor. I get a call about my finances. It's the, it's the last thought, which is a yeah. shoe to a kid, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know. <laughs> it's like, well, that's the story Hannah's husband, actually, the trash can thing. He had this amazing <laughs> moment of realization being like, oh my God, I'm my dad when I like break I, the trash oh. can because it won't come out. Oh my God. Well, and it's this, such a cool moment. There's this this video that I saw. This is so stupid, but I saw it on TikTok recently and it was like the, a woman like um, getting ready to take out the trash and she's like, um, or not like getting ready to take out the trash. She like puts one thing in and it's full and she goes, can you take out the trash? And then it's like, waits two seconds. The husband goes, yes, waits two seconds. He hasn't gotten up yet. <laughs> so she goes, okay, I'll just do it. And like lifts it up and jingles it around. And like, that's so me. I'm like, if you're not up in two seconds, I'm going to be very aggressively loud about the fact that I now have to take out the trash. <laughs> so that's just, that's me being just crazy. But um, that's not you being crazy <laughs> at all. I think it's <laughs> called the mother low girlfriend. It's the mother low. <laughs> <laughs> it's the girl's girl's I'm like, ugh. I'm like, it, no, that, that shit merits a, a straight up conversation. Hannah's worked especially so much with her husband on what are your jobs? What are my jobs? As opposed to everything feeling willy nilly and being like, yes. I take it out sometimes. You take it out. I worked so hard today. So now it's your turn to XYZ. Just being like, what are our roles and responsibilities? We can organize around this shit. Let's build yes, some right. rhythms, honey. Yeah. Build right some rhythms with our partners too. Yeah. I love that because uh, River's dad is like very, um, no, it's like equal. And I love the fact that he like thinks it's like, Oh, yeah, he's aww. so cute. <laughs> so cute. But um, no, like he—he's like it's equal. It's equal. Like we're—I'm we're, a big feminist. It's equal. It's equal. Like you take out the trash, I take out the trash. You do the laundry five days a week. I do one. They never notice. They don't notice how much you're doing. <laughs> no. Period. And I'm like, no, but it's not. Like it's not equal. And no, I'm sorry. It's but an no. A for intention, right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Um, yeah. That's very funny to me because, yeah. Anyway, um, so what? That was fun, guys. I mean, I'm not like not shutting everybody up, but I, that was fun. I learned so much, and I have like so many good notes that I. Wrote. I know my oh my gosh, my sheet of paper has it went from like two things to scribbles oh, everywhere. I love it. I loved, I loved the um the river. How you how you kind of said like progress is like a river. Cause I always think to myself, progress isn't linear. Progress is, is the opposite of linear and it's very, uh, it flows. So that kind of was even a better way for me to think of it. Like you don't have to be on a specific path. It, it, it doesn't go back and forth, but it, it progresses the way that it needs to. And like mm-hmm. failing doesn't put you back further. It just helps you grow is sort yeah. of how I took that. So that just felt really. I love that. Yeah. We, I mean, we were all raised in in these institutions that said, "Here's your grade. You know, you yeah, you yeah. mess up one paper, then your your grade is now this. Yes. Your reflect your your effort is reflected in this way, right? Where, what's your progress showing, right? And right. I think that it's so liberating thinking. No, we're it, this is the practice. We're always making progress as long as we're thinking about it, caring about it, and putting in a little effort and bravery towards. The, the the end, whatever it is, um, that it's the journey, right? And not the destination. And we've been conditioned so, so, uh, so otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So much. <laughs> Did we give you guys a word in edgewise? We were just talking the whole time. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. We come I mean, back. I, 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 feel like, I feel like this was so much more almost conversational than our, than our last one that we had. I feel like this was oh, more like we had some questions that were we had a little personal. more to contribute to you guys. Well, yeah. Personal, I think, I think that there's a lot going on at, at, at both of our homes right now. So I think that we have just a SOS sign above our heads. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just I'm the Sim that's in the corner going back to our Sims conversation. I'm like the Sim that's in the corner saying help jumping up and down, like help me. But I think that's a, a, a such a beautiful example for everyone listening to that, like the hard stuff's the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Talking about saying we're going to talk about this hard stuff, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, we're going to have something to drink that's fun for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to actually connect through struggle, which I think we're all programmed to believe. You got to hide the struggle. Yeah. You got to pretend it's not happening, and you got to talk about the fun stuff, right? And mm-hmm. there's always a time for fun stuff, for sure. Don't get me wrong. But I think that we want to keep normalizing. That's what we love. What you ladies are doing is saying, talking about these struggles and doing it in this way makes them feel really accessible and saying, we're all in this together. You're not alone. You know, we're all struggling in our own ways and all of this is connected. And when we can, you know, focus on it a little bit, pull it apart, explore it, use some humor, get comfortable in it, it feels a lot more uh, approachable to work on, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, thank you. And absolutely. I think that, you know, that's definitely what we're trying to do is to have silly conversations and also hard conversations. We laugh, we cry, we um, mm-hmm. don't have our shit together. <laughs> but, you know, it's like we're Hot works message, in progress. Yeah. yeah, we're works in progress. And that's, and that's okay. And but I love that. I think it's uh, not to go back on to when I was at home with my parents, but I was at home with my parents for 20 days. And I, now that I'm back in real life, I think about how different I was feeling there and like bringing up conversations about the podcast and what we were talking about on the podcast and their reactions to it. I felt so stifled again. I almost felt like, um, like I was kind of back in that element of, 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 um, oh, I can't talk about these things that I so badly want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and so getting back here and being able to like 
feel freedom to not that not that they're you know this is my own internalizing of of it but mm-hmm. you know it it just um basically i think that this is so necessary for so many people in our in our age bracket you know what i mean i i mean i think that all of the things that we're talking about um not all of them but most of them are 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 hard and 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 uh it feels good to be able to say them, <laughs> even though they might sound a little, uh, I don't know. It just feels like a lot of, uh, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. I don't know what I I'm saying. That's Let's beautiful. I think that, that I'm like <laughs> babbling. No, I no. think that you're, you're painting this picture of saying, um, <clears throat> you, you, you love feeling safe in your feelings. You love yeah. being connected to your inner wisdom and having that inner authority to express yourself and not feel insecure about it. You want to be right. around people and in places where you can feel safe. And I think I love when we can connect as adults to those feelings and those desires because then we can say, how can we afford them to our children right now? Mm-hmm. So that when they come to our house for 20 days over Christmas in like 20 or 30 years, right. they're oh, going to have the experience that maybe I hope that I had right. and that maybe they'll be there and they're not going to be the child within. They're just going to be the human that they've developed over time based on the mm-hmm. awesome parenting I've been giving right. them. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Goal. The ultimate baby. goal. Yes. That's the hope. I'm going to sit here and cross my fingers and wish an 11-11 every single day. Fingers and toes. <laughs> hey, but we're already doing it different than, than yeah. we're already doing it different. Mm-hmm. And, we're tra- and we're trying and we're learning and we're acknowledging. And I think that's huge. We should feel proud. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, man. Oh, hello. Collective at the breath. same time. <laughs> <laughs> that felt very good. It did feel good. Oh, this all feels so good. I'm so excited. You know, I, I already said this, but I'm so, I, I just, it feels warm and yummy. And um, I'm sorry for those adjectives I just used, but. Um, no, I loved them. I feel warm and yummy. You made us start drinking at 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I, was, I know. I know. It's 8 o'clock here, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I'm walking to pick up Owen tonight. Don't worry. He's very close. So I'm going to not have, be driving. I have a glass of wine waiting for me on the other side of this. Door. <laughs> so. I had like half a martini and I'm like, wow. Yeah. Those things are no joke. I'll say that. I I'm telling you. And I don't, it's that gin, the Hendrix gin that I got is very smooth. That's what so we it's had. Like, yeah. It's so good. It's so dangerous. Uh, That's another one we can add to the to the list of things is dangerous. Dangerous, yeah. yes. <laughs> Absolutely treacherous. <laughs> unstable. Uh-huh. <laughs> unstable. Yes, unstable is a good one. Dizzying, yeah. Um, yeah, but I I want to I think on behalf behalf of both of us, we get super energized after talking to you. The last time we talked to you, we had this just yeah. energy of, of surrounding us. And I think that everybody who listens is gonna feel it and um you know, this time I recorded the whole time. I've been looking every minute. I did it. Kara. I did it. I'm so proud of myself, Grace. Um, patting myself on the back. But um, but thank you guys again. I, we love this. And uh, we're going to need you to come back next month. Mm-hmm. We would love it. Yeah, we'd love it. We'll be here. Super fun. Can I, um, I'm going to do something really cheesy. We're all going to give ourselves a big hug because we can't hug each other in person. So we're going to give each other a big hug virtually. Love it. Love it. And I can hug each other. We can squeeze. Yes, you two can hug each other. And yes. 
Good. Thank you guys so much for being with us. We, we love it. And um, we're looking forward to the next one. Same. Thank you both so much for your vulnerable shares and connections and amazing questions. This was so much fun. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Uh, An incredible conversation, but for fuck's sake, shake your beverages. Not your babies. Bye. Bye. Cute. Time to hit the bottle there. <laughs>